Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. The book of John chapter 4 is where we're headed, verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper, everybody say true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? Notice when it talks about God, it's got a big S. When it talks about a worshiper, it's got a little S. All right? So that means my spirit, your spirit. It's about worshiping the Lord in my spirit, your spirit, and in truth. This morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to talk to you about the worship and word connection. The worship and word connection. Heavenly Father, we are just standing in need of you today. God, help us to minister, Lord, as it would be pleasing to you. Lord, we're not here to impress with enticing words of man wisdom. But God, let it be in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Let it be in your power, in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The worship and word connection. From let there be light to the very last amen of the book of Revelation. God has called man, God has called woman, He has called humanity to be worshipers. We were created with a divine mandate to worship. Worshiping God is our paramount purpose. It is a purpose for every generation. It is a purpose for every creed. Every color, every nation, every ethnicity, worship. We are called to worship. For worship answers the question, why are we here? Worship answers the question, what is my purpose? Worship answers the question is, what is my source? Where do I come come from? Worship. The psalmist put it like this, and he said, let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. No one is excluded from being a worshiper. Everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Everybody is created to be a worshiper. Therefore, everybody worships something. Everybody worships something. 
Psychology Today estimates that there are at least 18,000 different gods, goddesses, and objects of worship that have been worshipped by humans since the beginning of human history. They say that 80% of the world's population consider themselves religious or spiritual. I submit to you that percentage is really a lot higher because everybody worships something. 100% of man worships something. The atheist gives worship to their reasoning and experiential narrative. They worship that. The agnostic worships the idea that truth is unknowable. He worships that. The pragmatist gives glory to what seems to work out the best. The rationalist worships human deduction. The hedonist worships the God of pleasure. The pantheist says everything is God, so he worships everything. The materialist says possessions, greed, and wealth is God. The polytheistic cannot make up his mind what he wants to worship, so he goes from one thing to another. The secularist worships anything as it is as opposed to sacred. Anything that's sacred, I'm not going to worship that. But anything that's secular, I'm going to worship that. The humanist worships himself. The humanist worships himself. God created humans. He created man and woman to be worshipers. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a worshiper. The question is not, will we worship? The question is, who and what will we worship? The Lord said to Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Amen. That there is only one God. There is only one real object of worship. Everything else is an idol. Everything else is an idol. How many knows that if he created us to be worshipers, that worship matters to God? He alone is worthy of the deepest value of our hearts. Amen. Anything that we have that is counted worthy, it ought to be given to Him. He alone is worthy. That's where the word worship comes from. Worthship or what is worthy. He alone is worthy of all glory, all honor, and all praise. Worship matters to God. It ought to matter to us. Can you give God praise right now, right in this place? It matters who I worship. It matters that I worship. The Lord gave the commandment, Thou shalt not make for yourself. The King James says, Make unto yourself. The ESV says, Thou shalt not make for yourself a, a carved image or an idol or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Amen. He said, you're not to have anyone else but me. Don't make to yourself. Don't make for yourself. Don't create a, an idol that, that you invent, that you set up. Worship is what we're supposed to do, but there's only one that is worthy of that worship. Worship should be the top priority of the church today. Worship should be a top priority of everyone sitting in this building this morning. 
Praise and worship invites the Almighty God to be enthroned in our moment, in our hearts, and in our lives. We don't just step up here on the stage. The worship team doesn't just step up on the stage so they can do a great job. And don't they do a great job? Aren't you thankful for our worship team? Amen. They don't just come up here to sing a few songs and we go our merry way, but it is a time of worship to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Worship is essential. Worship is essential. It is an indispensable element for the people of God to be involved in. The very largest book in your Bible is all about worship. The book of Psalms is nothing but a continual repeating of of worship and praise to God. Worship in the good times. Worship in the bad times. Worship when you're up. Worship when you're down. Worship on your bed. Worship while you walk. Worship in the morning. Worship in the noonday. Worship when the sun goes down. Worship. 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 We are called to be worshipers. I know that worship is now a hot topic among the nominal worlds. But I want to tell you, everything that has the tag worship music or worship uh, 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 genres is not worship to the one and true God. Not everything that you see on your iTunes that is classified as Christian music uh, there is a there is, matter of fact, there is one uh, Christian, so-called Christian artist uh, that is a, a, an outright lesbian that is saying she's pushing to be the number one Christian artist today. Don't just pick up everything and think that, well, if it's got a Christian label on it, it's worship. No, no, try the spirit. Know the artist. Know their background. Know their integrity or whether the lack of it is. Know their doctrine. Somebody say amen. Don't get sucked into everything. I'm not talking about style. Because it's in the southern gospel as much as it is in the contemporary. It's not about style. It's about does this glorify God? Is it correct doctrinally? Is it right in the right spirit? Worship. Because Jesus said, the hour is coming when the true worshiper shall worship in spirit and truth. It's not enough just to have emotion. It's not enough just to have the, the, the uh, going through the motions, but it's got to be in truth. The Father is seeking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers who understand the concept of spirit and truth connection. Let me take you to a story in the Old Testament that, that shows us this path and the way that the word and worship are connected. In 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, speaking, uh, it says, Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Let me just stop here just to make sure you understand what is going on. When you read in the Bible that there is a split, there is the king of Israel and the king of Judah. That means that after Solomon and his sons, they became king, the nation was split and the northern tribes of ten tribes went 
wacko in the beginning, and then the, the southern in Judah was staying true to the Lord. So such is the case. Jehoshaphat is king of the southern tribes of Judah, and we find that Jehoram is king of the northern tribes known as Israel. But look at verse 2. And he brought, or he wrought rather evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father Ahab or his mother Jezebel. He wrought evil in the sight of the Lord. And what did he do? He put away the image of Baal that his father had made. He put away what his mama brought to Israel. And that was the worship of Baal. Then verse 3. Look at the word. Nevertheless, he clave unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. So we find that Jehoram grew up in an evil, idolatrous home with a wicked mother and a dad for a, a dad that was a wimp. A wicked mom and a wimp for a dad. That's a bad combination. He had grown up with the hundreds of prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth that were all around him, ate at his family table. He heard their worship. He heard their chants. He heard their music. He heard their singing. He watched their dancing. He watched their prayer. But when Jehoram became king, he put away the idols of his parents, but he did not go far enough by just simply putting the idols away. For the Bible said he clave under the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. So what is the sin of Jeroboam? So Jehoram went the following Je Jeroboam. He killed or he destroyed the idols of his mama and his dad, but he didn't completely destroy the sin. What is the sin of Jeroboam? Y'all okay for some history for a few moments? At first, Solomon considered Jeroboam an industrious man. Appointed by Solomon, he was to be the labor force of all of, all of the collective group. Later, we find that Solomon, uh, 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 we, we find that when Solomon returned to be king, the northern ten tribes of Israel had split. And the sin of Jeroboam was the sin of polluted worship. The Israelites could no longer worship in Jerusalem, so he set up worship in Dan and Bethel, the only place of worship that he said that Jeroboam says that you can go and now worship. You can't go to Jerusalem. We're separated. We're two different tribes. We're two different nations. We're separated here. You can't go to Jerusalem. You have to go to Dan, and you have to go to also, he said, Bethel to, to be a place of worship. Let's read what he did. Everybody say, look at 1 Kings chapter 12. Thank you for paying attention. He said, if this people go up and do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord. If I let these people from the north go back down to the south where Jerusalem is to worship, something bad is going to happen. Even unto Rehoboam, the king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. 
This is Jeroboam now that made two calves of gold. And this is what he said. It is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods. He said, if I let them go worship in the right place, I'm going to lose them. So i got to create a place for them to worship. And like Aaron, he made calves of gold in both Bethel and in Dan. And he said, this is your place of worship. It's too hard for you to go to Jerusalem. It's too hard for you to go that far. You just need to stay here. And, and, and I'm going to set you up that this is the God that brought you out of, out of Egypt. Here is the God that, that you need to be worshiping. He didn't just destroy. He destroyed his mom's idol. He destroyed his dad's idol. But he set up an idol to himself. And he said, now this is the God. This is the God. O Israel, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, verse 29, and he set the one in Bethel and the other in Dan, and this thing became a sin. When you begin to create an object of worship that comes from your own thinking, it will become a sin. When you begin to create a way of worship that comes from your own proclivities and desires, it will become a sin. When you begin to say, I really don't need to be in church, or I really don't need to worship, I really don't need to, uh, you know, what I can get by on just just watching somebody on on some televangelist, or I can read a book, or I, I can just, no, amen, I believe you ought to get up and come to the house of God. Come and worship. Not a a God that we have created, that God brought us out. And we're deciding what he looks like. But it's the Lord is God. So Jeroboam made idolatry seem like right worship. He had the sounds. He had the sights. He had the activity. He had uh, uh, the voices. He learned the singing and the dancing from, the, th- from his mama's table watching the, the, the ones that got the priest of Baal began to worship. He, he had all that. He ought to, I'm going to tell you what. Just because it sounds like uh, a true worship, it's not true worship if it's not pointing to the one true living God. If it is not pointing to his word. So King Jehoram in our story, followed the sin of Jeroboam. What did he do? He was half right in his worship. Here's the God that that you need to follow. But look, don't go to Jerusalem. Stay here. Let's pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9. So the king of Israel went out, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water in the host for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel, Jehoram, said, Alas, that the Lord would call these three kings together to deliver us into the hand of Moab. Now this is the king of the north that has a wrong concept of worship, that says to the king of Judah, whose name is Jehoshaphat, Oh, the Lord's brought us out here. We're going to all die. This is such a horrible situation. Nothing is working right. This is a bad circumstance. We don't have any water. We're going to die. But look at what Jehoshaphat said. 
He said, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? One of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Sphat, which poured water on the hands of Elisha. So Jehoshaphat says to Jeroboam, Stop your complaining. Stop your murmuring. Stop talking about how bad it is. We need to have a word from God. We need to have a word from God. I want to tell this generation, yes, it's bad. Yes, it's awful. Yes, we're living in desperate times. And and there's confusion and anger and hostility and outrage and bitterness and strife. But we don't need to wring our hands. We need a word from God. We need a word from God. And so one of the servants says, "Uh, You remember Elisha? He's still hanging around. (laughs) Listen to what Elisha said in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 13. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, to Jehoram, he says, what have I to do with thee? I <laughs> mean, I bust your bubble when you're the king, and the prophet comes up and he says, I'm not connected to you. Oh, I'd like to preach a lot there. I'm not connected to you. Get thee to the prophets of thy father and the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said to him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. So we find that Jehoiham's mother Jezebel and father were bitter enemies with Elisha's mentor, Elijah. Elisha knew what the first family would do to you. Elisha knew the problems and he said, What I have to do with you? This is a bad situation. Amen. And so here is, is, is a situation that is awful and ugly, and yet a ray of hope steps up. And Elisha said in verse 14, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. Yeah. He says... Listen here, Jehoram, I don't have anything to do with you. I have no connection with you. I I, I don't know. I don't like your worship. I'm not with you. But because the king of Judah from the south is here, who worships the true living God, still goes to Jerusalem, still has the truth, I'm going to honor that. And because of him, I'll hang around. I want to tell you, you should not minimize somebody that brings you the word of God. You should not throw them aside and say, I'll do it my way because there's going to be a day that you're going to need a word from God. There's going to be a day you're going to need a man of God. There's going to be a day you're going to need a prophet of God. Be careful that your worship doesn't set you away from truth. And this is what he said in verse 15. Now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. He says... They ask, is there a prophet? The prophet asks, is there a worshiper? 
The prophet asked, is there a worshiper? Bring me a harpist. Bring me a musician. Bring me the praise team. Bring me the choir. Bring me the worship team as we're going to praise God and give God praise. Amen. Worship is so important that the prophet of God said, in this situation, if you're going to hear from God, we're going to worship first. Because before the word can come forth, you've got to have worship. There's got to be some worship. It's not just simple. Simply an order that we just simply go through. But the worship sets us in a place that our heart is open to the word. Worship puts us in a place that our mind is open to the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it is said that preaching is the most important part of the service. And I understand where they're coming from. But I want to tell you that preaching is not the most important part of the service. The most important part of the service is what you do to the preaching. It is the response that happens in that moment. It's when, when the word of God comes to you. How are you going to respond to that? That is the most important thing. So we can't just kind of play tiddly weeks through our worship. We can't just go through the motion and say, I'll get, let's get to the word. No. Oh, I gotta get my heart ready. How do I get my heart ready? I get my heart ready by getting my hands up and begin to praise the Lord and singing the songs of Zion. I counted this morning during the worship at all the people that were up here. There was at least nine or ten adults standing with babies in their arms right here. Worshiping and praising God. I want you to know it's important that you bring your children and hold them in worship because you're teaching them. Amen. Get your heart ready for the word, son. Get your heart ready for the word, daughter. Get ready for what God is about to do because the most important part of the service is after the word comes, what do you do with it? How do you respond to the truth? How do you respond to the word? Worship changes the atmosphere so that we can help hear the Word of God. Worship changes the atmosphere. Elisha knew that. He went into a bad atmosphere. He didn't want to even be there. So how do you change that? Bring me a minstrel. Bring me the worship. There's a connection between worship and the word. Worship began to help Elisha transition from a disturbing reality into a spiritual reality. Worship will transfer you from a bad day at work to a presence of God that you can hear his word if you'll let it. Worship will take you from a, 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 a fight you just had or a, a, a bill that you couldn't pay or a situation that is beyond you or a disease that you're dealing with. But if you'll come into the house of God... And and begin to worship, it changes the atmosphere so that you become ready for the truth. It is when I open up my spirit in worship to God that I'm asking truth come to me. Truth come to me. Oh God, I need truth to come to me. Praise the Lord. We find that minstrels were important in the history of Israel. Originally, they were appointed by David. David was a minstrel himself. It's interesting that most minstrels of that day were warriors. 
Most warriors were minstrels playing harps. I just let you chew on that for a minute. David appointed, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 25, David appointed the service of the sons of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun that they should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, and cymbals. That they should prophesy, my Lord. When this praise team, praise team, when you stand up here and you begin to sing Jesus, Jesus, when you begin to sing a song of praise, you're doing more than just singing here. When you play that bass call, you're doing more than just playing a bass. God wants to prophesy through you, young man. Amen. Brother Austin, when you play the drum, it's more than just beating all those skins and hitting those cymbals. God wants to prophesy through you. Sister Carrie, when you play the keyboard, amen, God wants to prophesy through you. Hallelujah. If you're a part of the praise team, if you're a part of the choir, God wants to prophesy. And I want to tell you, it happens more than you realize that somebody is touched in the moment of worship. Praise be to God. When you begin to study who the sons of Asaph was, Asaph means to gather are to bring together, to bring companies together. Asaph was a songwriter, songwriter and the choir director. We would call him our worship leader. Brother Seth, if you're watching today, I know you're slinging paint, but I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a worship leader here at MPC. I want to say thank you. Brother David, if you're watching today, I know you're sick and not feeling well, but I want you to know thank you for being a worship leader. Amen. Brother Dylan, thank you for being a worship leader. Sister Carrie, thank you for being a worship leader. Amen. Sister Grace, thank you for being a worship leader. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you, every one of you sitting here is a worship leader. You are in the place to pick up your 10-string and instruments to pick up your voice and begin to praise God because there's a word that God wants to give true worship gathers people in brings people in I was watching today knowing what I was going to preach I was watching it everybody was up here when I was a boy in the church we went to as a boy, we were all up here. Honest to goodness, when it came time for song service, everybody left their pew and everybody was on the platform. Anybody remember that? Can I get any? Sister Judy? I don't know if it was just a Texas thing, but that's the way it was. Everybody got up on the and, and we just all sang together. Hallelujah. I think, Brother Smith, they had the reason for that because all every once in a while somebody would take off running and there was plenty of room to start running and worshiping and praising God. I don't know if that's the reason or not, but I want to tell you is that whatever position you get in, get your heart ready for worship because word follows. Worship. Word is connected to worship. The sons of Asaph were part of the minstrels. The sons of Jeduthun were part of the minstrels. 
The Bible said he prophesied with a harp to give thanks to praise unto the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 35 and 13 calls these sons the king's seers. There is a connection between worshipers and the word. Don't forget that. Then he said the sons of Heman. The sons of Heman. Heman means faithful. But look what 1 Chronicles 25 and verse 5 and 6 says about the sons of Heman. It says about them as well, the sons of Heman, the king's seers, in the words of God. Hallelujah. You have that scripture for me? We, 1 Chronicles 25 and 5. Get that for me real quick. The sons of Heman, the seer in the words of God, to lift up the horn. Wow. Part of the minstrel team, part of the worship team, was to be a seer because he sees the word of God. I want to tell you, we need some new songs of doctrine and of truth. We need some new songs that are not just compassed as some good old country and western love song. I, I, I hope I got two or three amens out of that. We need more than just hip, simply singing about, uh, about me always being in his arms. Sometimes I need to realize that, that he's the only God. That he's the God of heaven. That there is a blood that saves me. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for salvation. I thank God for being baptized in Jesus' name. I, that ought to make anybody worship and praise God. It says, thank you. It says, these were the sons of Heman, the king's seers, in the words of God to lift up the horn. What does the horn mean in scripture? The anointing. It all dovetails together. The worship, the word, the anointing, it all dovetails together. And God gave to Heman 14 sons and three daughters. 14 sons and three daughters. That's a praise team right there. And listen to this. And all these were under the hands of their father. All these were under the hands of their father. For the song in the house of the Lord. With cymbals, psalteries, and harps for the service of of the house of God according to the king's order to Asaph, Jethan, and Heman. Oh, Heman had, what did he have? A house full of kids. And those kids were submitted to him. And those kids took up musical instruments. Every one of them, you talk about a band, you got a band there with, with harps and, and cymbals and, and everybody is shouting and praising God. Amen. I want to just tell you today, that is what those that have a connection to the word will do, is that they will be connected to their kids in such a way to teach them as well to worship God. Go back to our story that Elijah, Elisha had called the minstrel, the worshipers to come to set the atmosphere. And this is the word that came. 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Kings 3 and 16. 
And he said, thus said the Lord, make the valley full of ditches. That's what the word was. We don't have any water. And the word is, make the valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water that you may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hands. Here the worship came. The minstrel came and played, and the word of God came forth and said, Go make the valley full of ditches. I guarantee you there was some people scratching their heads. But what would happen? Amen. Instead of before church, I'm complaining and grumbling and griping and murmuring. If before church, I would begin to worship God and praise God. Amen. I just wonder if God doesn't have a ditch-digging miracle waiting for me. If I would have a heart that says, God, let me set the stage. Instead of saying, I'm just going to go through the motions. No, I'm going to set the stage. If you have a need for a word from God, then get your worship engaged. Because the worship will lead you to the word. Your worship will lead you to the word. Praise God. Dig. Make this valley full of ditches. Verse 20, 2 Kings 3. And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that behold there came water by the way of Eden and the country was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings were come up to fight against them, they gathered all that were able to put on armor upward and stood in the border. And they rose up early in the morning and the sun shone. Upon the water, and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this is blood. The kings are surely slain, and they have smitten one another. Now therefore, Moab to the spoil, Moab to the spoil. And when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose and smote the Moab so that they fled before them. But they went forward smiting the Moabites even in their country. I want to tell you the victory that God has for you starts with your worship. It comes by the word and then obedience to that word. If you want victory in your life, begin with worship. When you don't feel like and worship. When things are bad, worship. When you got problems in your life, worship. When the situation is bleak, worship. Hallelujah. Get engaged with your worship. Get your, your hands raised. Get your voice raised. Shout and praise God. Why? Because God has got a word connected to your worship. My need for a word should be demonstrated by the intensity and the effort of my worship. The more I need a word from God, the more I need to worship. The more I need a miracle, the more I need to worship. If worship is not an emotional response. Amen. I don't worship because of emotions. Emotions may come later, but I worship him because of who he is. Praise be to God. I want to be very clear here at MPC. It's still all right to run the aisles. Thank you, Sister Gill, Sister Grace. 
How about the rest of you? It's still okay to run the aisles. It's still okay to dance. The reason they don't call us holy rollers anymore because they don't see us rolling holy very often. It's still okay to shout. It's still okay to clap your hands. It's still okay to, to raise your hand. It's still okay to jump right where you're standing if you don't have any room. It's okay to run out the door if you feel like it. Amen. There ought to be something inside of us that says that I need a word from God so great that I'm going to energize my worship because worship will connect me to the word. True worship in our spirit will always lead to truth worship in the word. Jeroboam said, or Jehoram said, it's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods. Now, I'm going to put on Pastor Mantle for a little bit. If this cares of this life keep you out of worshiping, if the cares of this life keep you out of worshiping continually, and you look for reasons not to go to church. I understand there's health reasons, there's job reasons, and all this kind of stuff. But I'm kind of reminded of the preacher that went and preached in Dallas, Texas years ago. An evangelist went to a church in Dallas, Texas. And he was very, very much a firebrand. If I said his name, I know my family would know who it was. But he was preaching there. And he was getting with it and getting demonstrative and shouting and worshiping, praising God. And the pastor took him aside and said, listen, evangelist, we just don't act that way anymore. We, 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 we've gotten dignified. We understand. We've become mature. We just don't act that way anymore. And so that Sunday, the Dallas Cowboys were playing a ball game on Sunday afternoon, and the pastor says, hey, Vangelis, go with me to the game. First, Vangelis said, man, I got to preach tonight. What am I going to go to a game for? And then he felt the leading of the Lord. Man, it's got to be the Lord. Go to that game. Hallelujah. Brother, Brother Smith, I'd probably gone anyway. <laughs> go to the game. And when they got there, the Cowboys went down and drove and, and scored a touchdown. And that pastor stood up on his feet going, Aah! And the van just went over and tapped him and said, I thought you didn't do that anymore. If the world can go all crazy over a God that is dead... Over rock music that is inspired by something from the pit of hell. If they can worship at that. Then oh heaven help me. As long as I got breath. As long as I got strength to get these hands in the air. As long as these legs will let me jump. I'm going to praise God. And I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to worship God. Hallelujah. And if it looks crazy to you. I'm sorry. It's about getting in the presence of God and worshiping Him with all of my heart. Many years ago, my dad was the dean of men in a Bible college in Texas. And 
he would, he would host all night prayer meetings. He'd have all night prayer meetings for these young men. Some, I don't know, 70 to 100 uh, men. Single men. And, and there was marriage on the campus that would come as well. But all men would come and they would be in these prayer meetings. They had incredible things that happened. One man just came off the street uh, high on drugs. God sobered him up. Baptized him and filled him with the Holy Ghost right there in that all-night prayer meeting. There were all kinds of evidence of what God was doing. But over here on this side of the, of, the, of the church, and I remember the church well. That's where God filled me with the Holy Ghost. But on this side of the church over here was a man that laid on his belly. And for 45 minutes rocked like a rocking chair. Hands go up and feet down. Feet go up and hands down, just like a rocking chair. And if you would have seen that, you would have thought that is the silliest, stupidest mess I've ever seen in my life. He needs to get up and behave himself. For 45 minutes, he laid there. You want to have how to have perfect abs? <laughs> I threw that in. But for 40 minute, 45 minutes, he rocked like a rocking chair. And when he come up, tears streaming down his face. And he went to my dad. and He said, Brother Gil, God's called me to Kenya, Africa. I'm going to go as soon as I can. When you worship, you might get a word. Amen. But when you just simply hold it back, the word that God has for you may be put back into the messenger's mouth. But there's got to be an understanding that my worship will lead Here, here's, here's one way tonight. You want to know how to do it? Get to prayer meeting. Come to the house of God. Go to the prayer meeting and begin to seek the Lord and say, I'm going to get my mind ready for worship. I'm not going to just stroll in. I'm going to come early, amen, and get into the house of the Lord. I'm going to let God hear my praise because I need a word from God. I need a word from God. Jesus was tempted of the devil. And one of those temptations, Jesus responded in Luke chapter 4 and verse 8. Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You want to get into the presence of the Lord, you got to remind the devil. Get out of my way. I'm not worshiping that job. I'm not worshiping that car. I'm not worshiping that purpose person. I'm not worshiping anything but the Lord. He's my number one. He's my number one. Stand with me, please. Worship is more than a good feeling. It's more than a good song. More than a good service. Worship is deeper than that. Worship is more than hype. I've seen people hype their way right on to hell. Worship is more than hype. Worship is more than emotion. Worship is more than a feel good. Worship is more than loud noise. It's more than soft noise. Worship. But the effects of worship are meant to change our lives in the word that follows. 
I know we joke and we laugh and we have one of the services that pastor don't get to preach. Hey, pastor, it's the best message I've heard you all year. But quite frankly, if we've had a worship service that explodes, somebody's got a word in that worship. I said somebody's got a word in that worship. For those that go from pillar to post and say, I just can't go to that church because I don't get fed. Just might be you're not worshiping. Just might be that you're not worshiping because if you worship, you're setting yourself up for the word of God. You're setting up yourself to live in victory. You're setting up yourself to hear truth. And then be what Jesus said the Father's looking for. Those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. In my emotions, with my voice, with my hands. Hallelujah, but I also want truth. I don't want it just to be hype. I don't want it to be just the latest song from, from some worship group that's out here. I, I, I want to I make sure that it has in my heart the truth. Amen. Because I need to be in His presence in spirit and truth. Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.